cattle breeding in Ireland is in a really good place. You know, Irish farmers and the Irish cattle breeding industry has made tremendous strides. And IHFA as the Pedigree Society is a very important part of that. I think our role is going to grow in there because I think there's where the industry is at at the moment. I think there's a really strong appreciation for a good black and white cow. And that's a cow to suit all systems as well. Hello, I'm Stuart Childs, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Today, as part of Chagas Breeding Week 2023, I'm speaking with Lawrence Feeney, CEO of the IHFA, about how the association's members are planning to meet the challenges of the future through their breeding, and also the advice that they are dispensing to their members. But first, I started by asking Lawrence, to tell us a bit about himself to give people who may not know much about him a bit of background. I grew up on a dairy farm in County Meads. Um, I've been working with progressive genetics for about 20 years before um, taking up the role with IHFA. So I've been dealing with dairy cows and agriculture and, um, and cattle breeding for a long number of years. Um, I suppose if we go back to early early career um, and growing up on a dairy farm in a, in a kind of a liquid milk farm in Mead, I was very involved in, in the breeding side of things from, from the very start. And I don't know if you remember, or maybe some of the listeners will remember, um, uh, AI bull called Beliver Mango. And there was also a bull called Beliver Olympic Gold that were lucky enough to make it into AI. They were some of my early side projects. <laughs> um, but um, when I got involved with um, working with progressive genetics full time, um, I didn't have so much time on the farm anymore, but um, was really heavily involved in the, the dairy breeding programs with progressive genetics. And I was um, marketing manager for a time there. So, you know, very heavily involved in, I suppose, the, the early days of EBI, the expansion of the Irish um dairy breeding program as well and we would have seen a, a huge changes there over the years um with ebi becoming more and more important and the irish genetics coming more and more important as well and those kind of like irish bred bulls coming to the top of the list which was you know great to see and i suppose that's that's the um, ihfa influence coming through to some degree in the in the dairy breeding programs because they're all coming from from irish herds and then I suppose the most recent thing probably in terms of my progressive genetics time was the, the growth of sex semen. And I suppose that's, um, um, you know, having a huge influence on the on the dairy market now. But look, I was there for about 20 years. I got the opportunity to join IHFA when the previous CEO, Charlie Gallagher, retired. And um, look, I couldn't um, I couldn't refuse an opportunity like that. And yeah. I think people in the northern part of the country will probably know me well. People in the southern part of the country, um, I probably wouldn't have had as much dealings with. But I'm getting to know them. Very good. And I suppose um, just in terms of the role as it is currently, we'll say, or, um, since you've taken it up, what's your experience of it so far? I presume you're enjoying it, obviously, as you said, getting to know more people further south, etc. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed it tremendously so far. Like I think, and um, I suppose one of the reasons I I was enthusiastic for taking the role, Stuart, is um, I think um, cattle breeding in Ireland is in a really good place, and it's it's an opportunity for me, I suppose, to be very deeply involved in it on a national level. 
Um, like I say, I think, you know, Irish farmers and the Irish cattle breeding industry has made tremendous strides. And IHFA as the pedigree society is a very important part of that. I think our role is going to grow in there because I think there's where the industry is at at the moment. I think there's a really strong appreciation for a good black and white cow. And that's a cow to suit all systems as well. So it's a, it's a pure Frisian cow for some systems. It's a high EBI grazing cow for other systems, and it's a high production cow for other systems. And, and IHFA represents a full spectrum of, of those systems and of those genetics. And it's got genetics to fit all the various systems and to expand all the various systems as well. So, you know, it, it's, it, I think it's a really good time to be involved in the black and white breed in Ireland. And I think I suppose one of the exciting things I've seen since I came in is um, as well as being a very important part of the breeding infrastructure in Ireland, IHFA is also a really important part of the promotion of the dairy industry in Ireland. Because we're so public facing in terms of shows and events and, and things like that, we get to interact with the public and get to represent the dairy industry um, in a really nice way through the cows, through, through good breeding and, and, and getting cows out in front of um, in front of the public and in front of policymakers and stuff like that and really getting, you know, to show what Irish farmers do. So, you know, it's it's certainly an interesting um, place to work at the moment. So you mentioned the shows there, and as uh, as you said, people probably, the IHFA is synonymous with the show type cow maybe. And maybe in general, there might be a perception that IHFA is very much the show cow. Um, whereas you're representing far greater peop- uh, spread of people than that. And um, what uh, will say the direction for breeding within the organization in your mind, what direction should your your members? I I, I think, as again, like we were discussing in advance, like there's people that have show cows and their show cows for the shows and then they have their commercial herds in the background and they actually run very different systems, maybe. So they have the. The, the very high merit, uh, high high production type cow for the show, and then they have their good performing uh, commercial herd in the background. So I suppose that the the title of the of today's um, interview is like how are pedigree herds preparing for the future challenges? Are they any different to the challenges that exist for the 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 ordinary everyday commercial farmer? We'll call it, and even the crossbred farmer, maybe like. Yeah, and to be honest, Stuart, I think. Because, because our members are a very broad spectrum of, of dairy farms in Ireland, the concerns of our members are almost exactly the same as for every other farmer in the country. Um, yes, we have um, some high production herds and some show herds, but they're a small enough part of, of our, um, our membership. I think the shows are very important from a public relations point of view. And it, it, you know what I mean? It, it gets black and white cows out and in the public view. But all our members are commercial dairy farmers, first and foremost. And, um, and their, their milk check is the, is the primary income. Um, so I think where most people are at the moment, um, and from, from talking to our members and from our, the data that we, we have from true ICBF, um, an awful lot of our herds, George, are, are 
reaping the rewards, let's say, of the better breeding for fertility over the last number of years. Um, so fertility is probably not the main concern um, in most herds. It's still going to be extremely important. Um, but there are other drivers now. And I suppose when we look at the, the, the changing challenges, I suppose, that some of the environmental concerns and regulations are bringing, um, we have to strive for really efficient cows for the system that the farm is running. Um, I don't, I'm not talking to very many people who are talking about radically changing their system. For the most part, people are running systems to suit their farms. Yes, they're coming under pressure in terms of stocking weights because of nitrates and things like that. Mostly that's coming down to people wanting to make sure the cows they have in their farmers are efficient as possible, right? And and there's some opportunities there. Um, and I think particularly because we're in such a good place as regards cow fertility in general, um, cows are more easily lasting longer in herds. But there's other things now starting to become much uh, more of a challenge. Things like mastitis and lameness in particular. So health traits are becoming more important and we're seeing much more people focusing on the health traits, much more people focusing on, on lameness and um, more emphasis in some quarters on um, the confirmation scores of cows, again, particularly around those udders and feet and legs to try and get these cows to last as long as possible. And what that's going to do then is it's going to allow us to reduce our replacement rate. And reduced replacement rate means we can have fewer non-productive animals on a farm, carry fewer re replacements so we can afford to have more productive animals, more milking cows, less dry stock, essentially. And that's where most people are trying to get to. Um, and there are, like, we have the carbon index in, in now, and that's a very important part of the infrastructure from a national point of view. We will have methane breeding values, I'm sure, in the coming years. That will change the, the profile somewhat, but really the focus is, is efficiency and, and making sure you're breeding from the best cows possible. And sex semen gives us an opportunity to do that. Um, our, our data analyst, um, Patrick Kelly, has done a, a, a nice feature for our spring um, journal, which will be online now in the next couple of days, um, about using the milk records to select your cows better for um, for breeding replacement from. You know what I mean? I think where we are now with fertility and sex semen, we can afford to be really picky about the cows we breed from. And that will enable us to, to accelerate things um, even better than we have been. Yeah, so I suppose the, you, you mentioned the efficiency, I suppose. And if I look, if I look at it wearing my Chagas cat here, like we, we push hard in terms of kilos of milk solids and so forth. Uh, driven by the percentages um so that's is that the angle that you're talking about there so you have you've some very high production herds obviously um as members um and when i say high production now i mean high solids production there like but that solids is coming from maybe moderate uh, percentages and strong liters so i suppose the angle that i'm getting at here with this question is is there scope for higher percentages to come from the breed and the other question then probably comes back to your point about the environmental questions there earlier. The bending is obviously impacting on some um, and maybe disproportionately on some of your members relative to the national herd potentially. 
Um, so have you have you any thoughts in on that side of things in terms of trying to increase the efficiency, as you said, but that the efficiency is coming through just more milk solids coming out of maybe uh, the same volume or even maybe a lesser volume of milk? Have, what's your thoughts in that area? Yeah, like I think, Stuart, like we again, some of our members are are quite focused on high volumes, high liters per cows, and usually that's related to the type of farm they're running. You know what yeah. I mean? Smaller county meat obviously would be associated with yeah, that milk background, like or liquid exactly. milk background. Yeah, smaller milking platforms, liquid milk systems, things like that, right? But the vast majority of people have a, in my view anyway, have a system to suit their farm. And they don't really want to go tweaking the system too much. So it's definitely about um, moderate gains for milk for milk liters, if any. And and especially when you're bandaged, you know you may not want to mi- increase your milk liters at all, but increase the solids. And we're, you know, we've seen plenty of pure black and white herds. You know, well over four percent fat. Um, 3.7 3.8% protein um from a black and white cow that's you know doing a really good job and producing a good quality calf and you know what i mean not not causing any problems when you've got that, that system and i think it's just about getting more people want to be in at that type of level and the people who are already at that type of level want to maintain it and like i say tweak it Fertility is a big is still going to be the biggest driver, and and as well as that, then cow or sorry herd maturity is going to be a huge driver of production as well. So, and I think people have seen that over the last number of years, and they have a bigger appreciation of that. That if you have a, a fertile, mature cow, she's going to produce loads of milk milk solids with high percentages. So, um, that's definitely the direction of travel. Um, there'll be one or two herds. To, changing their system or tweaking their system but but i don't think there's too many the system is in fairness to you guys in chagas you have the system fairly well figured out right and and it's a simple system and most people like that simple system so um you know i don't think the system is going to change very much the direction of travel for farms is to, to kind of stick to the status quo rather than go any knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. And that would be like what we'd be strongly recommending to people is that you really need to just look at the, look at where you're at, really, and decide that you're going to try and improve the, the things that you need to improve and not go chasing um, volume, I suppose, is probably a big concern to people because that is, in, in essence, that is a system change, isn't it? But it is. And, like, when you see when you see the, what herds are doing at the moment and you pick up an AI catalog at the moment and you see a high EBI bull with a very moderate amount of milk with plus 0.20% protein or something like that, daughters capable of milking 3.8% protein very um, easily or you know across a broad average, that genetics is there, so why would we not use it? You know, you don't necessarily need the high volume to get the high output. Um, and, and those cows are generally pretty easily managed without, without big changes to the system and, um, and without higher costs as well, because I suppose it's all very well changing systems and getting higher output, but those that higher output, frequently comes with higher costs so we have to be very mindful of that too so we have to be 
you know, our systems have to be robust, um, you know, and, and sustainable for the long term. Okay, so you, you mentioned the, the challenges, I suppose, from an environmental point of view and methane and um, and the nitrates, obviously, are the two big ones. Is there anything that you're doing, we'll say, maybe in the background that uh, in terms of trying to mitigate against those in particular for the association? Um, and like, are there anything, are, are there any other areas that you foresee either positive or negative, we'll say, for the association into the future as well? Well, look, I suppose there's a lot of research still to come and there's a lot more understanding in terms of, of methane. I think we're still going to be in the realm of wanting an efficient cow who produces high kilos of solids. Um, and, you know, that's kind of I don't see anything in any of the, the research so far that that moves very far away from that. So I think it's it's going to be about picking within that i suppose the, the one area that's kind of very much um you know an area of i won't sorry an, an opportunity and an area of concern at the moment is is the the beef side of it now i suppose our members probably like a lot of dairy farmers over the last number of years probably haven't thought very deeply about the beef side of 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 the equation but um i suppose with some of the potential risks in the in the calf market, um, we have to make sure we're, we're delivering a good product to, to the calf buyers. Um, and in general, our members have no big problems moving on bull calves, either fusion bull calves or, or beef cross bull calves. But, you know, one of the messages we're putting out to our members at the moment is, to look at the quality of the beef bull you have on the farm and look at the quality of the beef AI bull you're using as well and make sure you're getting that to a level where you're producing a really attractive calf. Um, because, you know, we want people coming to our farms um, to buy beef, beef cost calves and Frisian bull calves and, um, and make sure we're at the top end of that market going forward. And I suppose that probably goes for every farmer in the country at the moment but um i think we we need to you know manage a risk there if there is a risk coming down the road to us in a couple of years time now is the time to start thinking about it so your angle there basically is that um obviously dairy bred animals whatever breed they are are going to be dairy bred animals and they're going to have, have a low enough beef merit no matter what way you go about it like so you're saying at the moment maybe you might have a scenario where your um, members or the farm, farming population, dairy farmer population in Ireland in general are, we'll say, using a cow that's, we'll call, for argument's sake, number one, or, or is the number one, and we're adding number two in the form of our beef bull onto it, and we're getting three. But what you're suggesting to your members now is that you still have your number one, but you now go down the route of using adding number three to get to four instead, of, so that you have a better overall product or or maybe if you had a, a relatively be maybe the british region pe or the frisian people within the association are more two plus two equals four and you're saying to go two plus three equals five type scenario to just in increase that beef quality like and and how important is that then learns from the point of view of the whole circular economy i mean like some people possibly have the attitude of like sure what's in it for me to do that like it's 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 critical really is it well look i mean Milchek still pays the bills, Stuart, and, and the, the beef part of it is never going to be a huge part of a farmer's income. Um, yeah, you know, some kind of pure Frisian 
orientated herd have, have always seen a good demand for Frisian bull calves and really appreciate that market. I think it's it's about the value of the calf to some extent, but it's also, I suppose, about making sure we have a good steady outlet for those calves and we have uh, build up the, those relationships with the calf buyers and have a steady customer base for those calves. And that makes life easy, like especially, you know, we're middle of March now, calf sheds are full. People love to see trailers coming into the yard looking for calves, you know what I mean? And it's not always about getting a huge price for your calf, but having a sustainable market at a fair price at the very least, you know? So I think it's that's the way I would see it is, I suppose, a little bit of our responsibility in terms of keeping cows is to make sure we have a market for those calves. And, and I suppose we'll try and do it in such a way as, we're getting the most value out of it and we're we're making our, our lives on our farms as easy as possible too. Okay, very good. And I suppose I, we better wrap it up in terms of a summary. So like, so we started out, I said, as I said at the start, we were t- discussing how pedigree breeders are preparing for future challenges, but ultimately we've ended up having a conversation about how every dairy farmer in Ireland should be planning for future challenges. So your key, I suppose your top three things for your association members and farmers in general to focus on for the breeding season that's coming towards us now? Yeah, well, look, it, it, it's funny the, the way our conversation has gone, Stuart, and I suppose, look, realistically, our members are commercial dairy farmers. I suppose they're probably the ones who are extremely enthusiastic about their cows, and, and I suppose you could probably describe every dairy farmer in the country as being like that anyway. So, um, listen, I think it's... The big the big concerns at the moment are are breeding for longevity because that affects every single farm and and making sure we're we're making the maximum genetic gain by getting the best cows for our herd. Um, that's going to mitigate some of the climate challenges. Um, and if we pay attention to our, our beef calf and our bull calf to make sure we have good solid markets for those. I think those are the big things to try and um, deal with the challenges that we have at the moment. Okay, very good. So thanks, Lawrence, for joining me today and uh, trying to promote breeding week with me as much as possible across the, the, the industry. So uh, I'll talk to you again and thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, Stuart. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Age podcast and my thanks to Lawrence Feeney for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.